Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. All right. Why don't we give Jesus a round of applause? How about that? Amen. Amen. And he began giving him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. Close your eyes, let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your word, for your love, for your grace, for all you've done for us so far. I ask you, Holy Spirit, would you please flood this place right now. Let no one that came in through these doors leave this place the same. God, form us into your likeness and into your image. God, we want to have a multiplying life, a multiplying ministry. God, we don't want to be legends. We want to leave a legacy. God, I pray right now, God, that you form us, that you help us to multiply, God. That you help us to have your heart, your dream, your vision in us, God. That we never forget, Lord, that this is not just about us. Today, God, we want to be shaped. We want to be formed into your likeness and image. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Give God a round of applause one more time. Awesome. So, I, saw, I feel like I'm in a stadium. But um, anyway, it's just vision, right? Um, today is Formation Fridays, so we have Formation Fridays. If you came here today and it's your first time, I'm sorry. The person that invited you forgot to tell you that today is too real. And today we just simply, we talk about formation. We used to have like a very friendly, uh, uh, just like seeker friendly, I guess. You don't know what that means, okay? But, uh, but it means that we're just trying to cater to the new people and hopefully they don't get sad or hopefully they like, hopefully they like the service and the music's not too loud and blah, blah, blah. But it's not about that. Formation Fridays, it's all about being formed into the likeness and image of God, right? We constantly said in this ministry that we don't want to be informed, we want to be transformed. Amen? And so, we find this incredible part of the Bible. Of course, you know that today's devotional was without vision. People perish. Those that didn't answer didn't do the devotional. So let me repeat that again. Without vision. All right, great, great. Now everybody acting like they're the devotionals, right? But, um, but it is amazing because Peter uh, and John find themselves in this incredible, incredible situation. And I want to share with you the story. And I don't, I don't want to give you all the points that we normally would want to give. Whitney's going to kill me because we got all these slides prepared. So I'm going to go through, the, through those slides fast so that I can get to the last point. Is that okay, Whit? Yeah? Okay, go, go, go. No, she works really hard, honestly. She's like, where's the sermon, Pastor? I was like, I know, I know, I know. It's here, it's here, it's here. But I have this whole bunch of things that I want to say. But I'm going to compact it all into the fourth point. So for now, let's go to the first point just so I don't get beat up by Whitney. Is that cool? Now I'm playing, I'm playing. There really is good stuff. So today, um, it's called Gold Digger, right? What is it called? Gold Digger. Okay, so the other person, tell the person next to you, you're a gold digger. Oh, no, you didn't. All right, good. Next one. Here we go. God sees more than your weakness. God sees more than your weakness. Keep that in mind. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. This is Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to where? The temple. Good job. You guys are, you guys have, you guys, there you go, Paisy. Good job. Good job. All right. All right. We're going to go to Acts chapter 3. Sorry, I'm excited tonight. I have a hot wife, a beautiful family that I love. And I'm sharing the gospel. What else can I need? By the way, I was on my way. Uh, I took an Uber today, and I was witnessing to the Uber guy. He is a Muslim, but he won't be anymore. I promise you that. Uh, he, we began to share, and, uh, and it's really, really cool. I believe he'll be with us next Friday. We're texting back and forth. We're going to watch a game in the World Cup this week. That's called consolidation, for those of you that don't know that. And, uh, and it was really cool because, um, you know, I was talking to him about God, and I was like, 
you know, honestly, I was thinking about the message of today, and that message guided me through witnessing through this, to this guy, and I'm, I'm telling you, it's amazing how responsive he is, how, how much he wants to be here with us, and uh, it's almost like, man, I, I, I want to be there now. Can I go now? I was like, yeah, of course, come now. He gets this crazy ride because he's Ubering, he's long way. He's like, I really need the cash right now. I said, no, nah, no excuses. Just kidding. No, nah, no, nah, I'm playing, I'm playing. But anyway, he's really, really excited to come. He's been texting me the entire time. I guess he's driving and texting, not such a good thing. But anyway, so, so anyway, the reason I share this with you guys is because um, I'll just wait and I'll tell you later. All right, here we go, here we go. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. It wasn't like he just told him walk. He said, come on, now you're going to do it, all right? That's discipleship right there, if I've ever seen it. All right, he said, you know, he, take, he took him by the right hand, helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went in. He went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising. Now, you know back then, that synagogue was not popping. There was no lights, no crazy sound. Everybody would be like, and this guy was just like praising God, crazy style. Anyway, he, it says, when all the people saw him walking and praising God. Check this out. My old church, they would have criticized him. In this church, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. What a powerful, powerful story. Point number one is this. The man doesn't have a name. You heard this before. You don't want to be known by your weakness, right? This man was known by his weakness. Only thing we know about him is that he was what? Lame. God sees more than you. Seeing yourself, he sees more than other people seeing you. He sees past your lameness. I praise God for that. Point number two. I told you I'm going through and just I want to get to the last one. All right, God sees that. Next one. We all need someone to carry us. This man could not make it to the presence of God on his own. He could not make it to inside the temple, not even to the doorway of the temple. So he needed somebody to bring him along. That's called consolidation. How many of us actually know? Listen to this, please, for just a second. Listen to this. This world is broken. This world is hurting. And it is not enough to just win somebody. It is not enough to just say, hey, Jesus loves you. And then go to hell. Literally, because people go to hell knowing that Jesus loves them. Isn't that crazy? That they don't serve the Lord. They don't live for God. They don't even accept him as the Lord and Savior. They accept him as a good guy somewhere out there. And so somebody needs to bring somebody and I think sometimes we think about that as a concept. Somebody told me, Pastor, I really want to bring people to church. He said, but I can't. I said, you can't or you won't? There's a big difference. See, when I really want something, I go after it. I chase it. But my parents don't let me. Yeah, right. If you really wanted it, it'd be outside. Now, I'm not saying everybody should be outside at 4 in the morning because your parents don't want you to be there. But think about this. When you really wanted something, you did it. And so... I wondered, I asked myself, you know, how many of us really understand that it is not enough to say Jesus loves you? It's not enough to put a sticker on a car. It is not enough to be nice to people. 
See, because anyone can be nice. A demon-possessed person could be nice. But can you say, I love you enough to pick you up and bring you to the temple gates? Now, I'm not saying you live out, your, you live out their Christianity for them. I'm saying you bring them to the temple gates. This man could not make it on his own. And there are thousands of people that are broken, that are hurting, that would never make it into the temple gates if you don't bring them. So the question is, who's going to bring whom? Right? Here's the only thing I can tell you tonight about this point. I know I was going to go deeper into it, but I can't wait to get to the last point. So this point is simple. is this, that you cannot expect somebody else to bring that lame person that you know. You know, I have a great news for you. If you're around broken people, you are the light and the salt of that specific world. Somebody please say amen. Nobody else will bring the people that you're supposed to bring. No one else. Listen, I understood this very clearly, and that's why I'm a pastor. I did not become a pastor because I needed a profession. Look, I did not become a pastor because I couldn't do anything else. I became a pastor because I couldn't do anything else. Because in my heart, I was already a pastor. Does that make sense? It only made sense that I would do it full time. Why? Because I couldn't do it otherwise. All the time, phone calls. All the time with people. All the time. All the time. It was what I'm so passionate about. Today, I was talking to the Chick-fil-A guy. I invited him to church, but everybody in Chick-fil-A is Christian, so it's not even fair. You know, it's like Nashville or something. You know, uh, but, but it's crazy because I was sitting there, and, and I'm talking to this guy, and he saw me, like, you know, you know, going over my notes and all that stuff. And he's, oh, is that a Bible verse? And I was like, I was like no, it's the Quran, you know. And uh, <laughs> it was really funny. But anyway, so this guy, you know, we got really, really going. And he's like, well, he was the associate pastor. He's like the pastor's son. And so anyway, so it was really, really cool because I realized this, that a lot of people can just go to church. But, but listen, it's not how you go to church. It's who you go to church with, right, who you're bringing with you. And I know, look, if you feel pressured, that's good. That's a wonderful thing. We get pressured to do weed, we get pressured to do drugs, we write all kinds of stuff, which, which, which is drugs, right? We get pressured to drink, we get pressured to do some dumb things in our lives. When somebody pressures you to do something awesome, like bring somebody to the feet of Jesus, you feel pressured. That's garbage. Somebody please say, that's garbage, right? You need to sometimes be reminded that if somebody doesn't bring the guy that you're closest to, God will have to send a rock to speak about him. The Bible says this, that if we don't praise God, if, our, if we don't verbally confess him, right, then the rocks will have to speak. You know what that tells me? Some people are so hardened in their, in their hearts, and yet they find a way to speak more about God than the people that should be speaking about God. Some people, I'm telling you, I know people that I worked with someone else for years and never told them they were even Christian. Forever. And people get really mad. How come you never told me you were a child of God? I was going to kill myself. I got divorced along the way, along the journey of you and I working together. I went through all these things, and you never shared with me your relationship with Jesus. I never, ever, ever want to make you feel condemned. Never, never, never. Here's the crazy thing about that. As you feel comfortable, some people are actually condemned. And that to me is wild, that there's people that need to be brought to the temple gates, but we do not bring them because we want our comfort. This Sunday is a wonderful day to bring somebody to the temple gates. I told you we've been working a lot on a message. It's called the greatest comeback of all time. And I cannot wait to share that message. But it's not for you. If you're new, that might be for you. But it's not for the rest of you. That message is not meant for the rest of you. It's meant for the guy that is not able to come by himself. It's meant for the girl that needs to be reminded 50 times before she actually shows up in the house of God. I know, you guys, I know that the thing that we love the most is the Lord. I believe that 100%. This church loves God, but we cannot be silent before a world that is lame, hurting, alone. You know how I began talking to the Uber guy right now? 
He simply said, hey, I'm from Afghanistan. And I was like, cool, how long ago did you come? A year and a half. Do you have family here? No, man, I have nobody. I said, now you do. It's that simple. It is that simple. But we cannot say even that because we feel awkward. Who cares if you feel awkward? Does that make sense? Who cares if you feel awkward? I have wonderful news. You have two days to bring somebody to the feet of Jesus. If you don't want to preach on yourself, it's okay. Pick them up and drag them. That's what I'll do. Is that okay? My mom did that for me for years, and I praise God for her life. All right, cool deal. Cool, cool. So an another thing, the next point is simple. By the way, that's consolidation. Next one, no one lives at the gate. No one lives at a gate. Now, this is really cool because this gate had a name. No gates have names. What, what's that door called? Door. <laughs> uh, what the heck? Are you talking to me? What's that gate called outside? The gate. <laughs> what's the gate in your house called? The door. But this, this door is called beautiful, I believe. And of course, this is not theology. I'm not trying to, you know, make a whole theology, you know, doctrine out of this. But it's simply, the Bible says it twice, not only one time. It reminds us of its name. It is because transition is beautiful. To have transitions in your life, the place where you were not in God, and all of a sudden, boom, you walk through that door. It's a beautiful place to be. Amen? It is an amazing place to be when you know you're done with the world, and now you're in with the Lord, right? The problem is that some people live one foot in the world, one foot in the house of God, and they're always living at the temple gates. Am I making sense? And that's a hard thing to do because you've got one foot in the world and one foot in the house of God, you will get hurt. The worst part about it is that you'll hurt other people. See, living at the gate is where you criticize everybody. I say this all the time, and to me it's the funniest thing. I can watch the World Cup and criticize Messi for not running, yet I'm sitting on my couch eating popcorn, literally, and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with my milk. Not 2%, but whole milk, right? And I'm literally chilling with my, like, leopard blanket all around me, all cozy from the, from the flea market, from the, you know, swap meet. I'm, like, just chilling there. Listen, Messi's out there running, sweating, earning millions of dollars every time he plays a game, and I'm here criticizing him. You know why? Because I'm outside the game. It's so easy to criticize from outside the game, isn't it? Try to do what he does. Try to kick the ball straight, let alone on a curve. Does that make sense? How many of you in here have found criticism against the church or against people in the house of God or people doing or trying to do it? Oh, they're hypocrites. At least they're trying, bro. At least they recognize their flaws. And man, I got to change. But because somebody messes up, somebody does something that you don't like, all of a sudden you have the right to judge them. Do you know what that tells me? You live at a gate. You are not even a gatekeeper. You're just at the gate. Look, if you live in that place, it's a horrible place to be because you're religious. You know enough religion as to preach the sermons even. But the truth is you also know enough about Kanye West. You also know enough about the world. And you can tell me their age, their children's name, their maybe baby, you know, if they, that's actually, if he's the baby daddy or if he's not the baby daddy. You know, you are in the world, but you're also, and I'm not saying you become irrelevant to a world. That, you know, I believe that we ought to be relevant. However, there's a difference between loving the world and loving the world. Amen? Loving it enough to share the loving Jesus with them. Amen? So, don't, don't ever live at a gate. Living at a gate, it's a horrible place to be. It is a beautiful thing to cross. It is a horrible thing to live there. Because it is there. Whew. The Bible says that either you're cold or you're hot. Because the lukewarm, he will spit out of his mouth. Now, my buddies used to use that excuse to see that's why I'm cold. Uh, I don't think that's the way it works, bro. That means, okay, he'll spit you out of his mouth if you're lukewarm. But if you're cold, you'll never even make it 
close enough. One of my guys, my friend said, I want to be close enough as to not freeze, but not so close to where I burn. And I said, I want to burn for Jesus. I actually want to burn for Jesus. My heart burns for Jesus. I'm going to ask you that question, a simple, simple question. Are you at a gate? Have you decided to fully engage, fully commit, not just to the idea of Jesus, but to the message of Jesus? See, don't you ever say, I love Jesus, but hate everything he loves. You either love Jesus or you don't. Formation Fridays got real, huh? You guys okay? Everything okay? All right, cool, cool. All right, great. Um, next one. And this is where I love it. I'm going to park right here. Okay, become a gold digger. Wow, that looks like an end. That's not even right, guys. What the heck? Whitney, that's not good. I'm just saying. All right, become a gold digger. Thank you very much. Randall, where you at, Randall? You can have some words with Whitney later, bro. That's not even right. No, right? Okay, that's a, that, that is a D, all right? So become a gold digger, right? Here's the thing. Here's the crazy thing about that. Here's the, the crazy, crazy, crazy thing about This is where people get awkward that don't really have friends of other races. It's okay, guys. It's okay. Trust me. It's all right. We're going to survive. We love each other, right? Fine. Everybody call me a beaner. Go ahead. See, there's nothing wrong with you guys going to write. All right, cool, cool, cool. All right, great. So the crazy thing about this is that we think of a gold digger as somebody who just what? The definition according to the Urban Dictionary, according to my great editing skills on the video said what? Your money, right? Somebody who just wants you for your money. Somebody who only wants your money. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know. You guys say, oh, that's only out in the world. Like, that doesn't even happen in the church. doesn't happen here. Praise God for CFF. But I believe that the world is full of gold diggers, and the church is full of gold diggers as well. Now, why am I saying this? Because we want what we want. We don't want what we need. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to express it like this because I don't always capture it. So, so um, this is what... Uh, this is this is was sent to me by now I'm just kidding. So this is this is what a lot of disciples do. A lot of people they come to church, they come to a cell group, they come to God, and they say, God, I love you so much. I'm just gonna praise your name right now. I love you so much. But if you don't bless me financially, I'll never believe in you again. I love you so much, God. I love you so much. If I don't get a girlfriend by the end of the year, I swear I'm not gonna go. I'm not going to encounter. I promise. Hey, leader, I love you so much. You're the best thing that ever happened to me. Ever, ever, ever. Just don't you ever mess up on me. Don't you ever tell me something I don't like. Because, see, I want what I want. Yes or no? Okay, take a picture of this so you can put it on your Instagram, not mine. Your Instagram. Okay? Say, today we learn in the church not to be gold diggers, right? So a gold digger is somebody who is interested on what they want, but not on what the person really has to offer. Isn't that crazy? God has so much to offer. See, I love this story because you have this gold digger who happens to be a beggar. Now, of course, I, I'm going to see him in heaven, I hope. And I hope he doesn't feel judged by me like up there right now. But I'm using you as an illustration, bro. Chillax. Okay? So you have this guy who's hurting, who's in need. And the Bible says this, that when they said, look at us. And he looked at them. And he says, he looked at them expecting to get something from them. Right. Of course, you know his situation. He's in need. I get it. But listen to this, please, for just a second. Now, of course, it doesn't say what he was expecting. But what do you think he was expecting? Right? The rest of you guys don't know, huh? <laughs> Go to the 605, exit of Ramona. You'll know what I'm talking about. They're not expecting a Bible. They're not expecting to get connected to a cell group. They're not expecting to go to an encounter. They're, they want something. 
See, that's a crazy thing, that we all do want something at some point. We came to God for a reason, right? We came to God because we needed something. Be honest. You didn't come to God because an angel appeared to you and said, you're meant for something great. Now, maybe you did. It happened to my pastor. But to me, honestly, I just didn't like the way things were going. I didn't like the way I was feeling, the way I was doing. And don't get me wrong, I wasn't like trying to kill people or trying to kill myself. At least not knowingly. But listen, we want what we want from God. We want what we want from people. But I love what this guy's answer to him. He said, silver and gold I do not have. Can I tell you, I tried this line in Colombia, in Bogota. Freddie and I, Pastor Freddie and I were like talking to this guy. This guy was like, came up to us, asked for money. And we literally said to him, silver and gold we do not have. <laughs> and you know what the guy did? <laughs> and he took off. <laughs> I promise. Freddie and I looked at each other like... What the heck, man, it's your lack of anointing. No, it's your lack of anointing. I got stuff. It was so funny. <laughs> Ask him about it. It was hilarious. Like, well, that didn't work like the Bible worked. See, he wanted what he wanted. I don't know where that guy'd be. Maybe he'd be a pastor today. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe he'd be a drug. I don't know. I have no idea. What I do know is this. We want what we want. And here's the crazy thing. I believe wholeheartedly that inside of every single person, there's so much gold and good gold. There's temporary gold, and then there's eternal gold. The kind of gold that the Bible talks about, that there's literally eternal treasures in heaven. There's crowns of glory. The Bible says that wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me repeat that again. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What treasure are you looking for? I love the, the word in Spanish for gold digger, because you don't have cabaoros. I don't know, you don't have that. You say busca tesoros. That's the translation, the closest translation I could find. Busca tesoros, which actually literally means treasure hunter or the treasure seeker. And I know we got to become that kind of people, but not for the kind of treasure we think we want, but the kind of treasure that is eternal, the kind of treasure that actually lasts for an eternity. I know that God found a way to find gold in the midst of rabble. I did a little bit of research and some people, when they say, I did research, it means I went on the internet and I found everything bad that I found about my church. That's not research, dude. I know because I tried that for school and my teacher said, no, that's not research. <laughs> it's not from me. According to the Business Insider, an article published in April 24, 2003 by Sam Rowe, he says, it takes anywhere from 2 to 91 tons of rock to produce one ounce of gold. How much? The median of that is 44.5. 91, you subtract two, then you divide that by two. That's a median, right? Let's just say that's not an average. But let's assume that at least it's 30 tons of rabble, 30 tons of, of garbage, 30 tons of dirt, of rock that you have to go through in order to find gold. Can I ask you married women? Is there any married women in the house? Oh, don't get so excited. You're going to blow my socks off. <laughs> any single women in the house? Okay, okay, okay. Any single guys in the house? <laughs> All right. Any Mexicans in the house? Yeah! Holy Okay, okay, okay. Okay. See, that's how single women should, that's how married women should sound. When I say any married women, whoa. Wow, the single people are like, I can't wait to get married. Whoa. Right? It's more like, I can't wait to be a Mexican instead. Right? It doesn't even make sense. Is there any, sing any married women in the house? A little bit better, okay? I mean, any married man in the house? 
All right, all right, all right. Any men that want to get married in the house? <laughs> all right, girls, look around, look around. They're desperate. All right, Coco, cool, cool. so it says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will also be. What are you treasuring? In order to find gold, you have to dig through tons of dirt and tons of rock and rabble. You know how much dirt Eoni has dug in my life to find a speck of gold? You get what I'm saying? We don't want to dig. We want to be given gold. In relationships, in discipleship, in this vision, you got to dig and you got to dig deep. And you have to be willing to sometimes put up with the rock and the rabble and the explosions. You got to be able to put up with all these things. But you know what keeps you moving? Being a gold digger. A good kind of gold digger. The kind of gold digger that says, man, I know the world doesn't believe in you. I know you don't believe in you. Heck, you don't even believe in me. But I see gold where the world sees rocks. I see gold where the world sees dirt. The enemy says that mine should be shut down because there's nothing there for the world. But I love God who showed us how to mine. He sent his son to dig through all your garbage, all my garbage, and he found something worth dying for. Isn't that amazing? For just a second, would you pause? And I'm going to ask you a real question that will help you to become a real disciple maker. You don't disciple people right because you don't really believe there's gold in them. If you believe there was gold in them, you'd go through not 9, not 10, not 45, 91 tons of dirt. I know that. I know that, not because I'm a pastor, but because I have been someone who has been dug for gold. Here's the cool thing about that. When you dig in somebody's life, when you're willing to put up with all the stuff, and I call it stuff for lack of a better term, and lack of time really, all the letdowns, the deceptions, right? The, the lies, the hurt. The lies of the enemy to their lives. It really bothers me. Can I tell you this? It really makes me angry. When I find gold in someone, and the people that should be finding gold in them, all they see is rock and dirt. It makes me most angry. Because I'm like, did you know that you're supposed to be their gold digger? You're supposed to be the one that exploits their riches, not the one who covers them up. You are supposed to be the one, if you're close to that person, Man, if you're clo the closer you get to someone, the better of a gold digger you need to be. I mean, the better of the... And of course, I know the world has bombarded us with, with urban dictionary definitions, right? Of what a gold digger should be. But can I tell you this? There's real gold in people. Real, real gold. And the people that are nearest you, they need to be your greatest diggers. See, my children are my greatest mine. My wife is my greatest mine. And I will dig those mines, and I will find gold, and I'll find treasure, and I'll show them what's in there. Not only them, I'll show the world what is them. If my wife is not developing, it's my fault. Men, look at me for just a second. For just a second. Men in the audience, please. If your wife does not develop, if she doesn't get more beautiful after she gets married to you, it's your fault. Okay, this, somebody didn't like this right now. If your wife doesn't get more beautiful, more self-esteem, more, self more secure, more wealthy in every way after she married you, then you're losing something. You're not a gold digger. You're not digging for the gold in her because there is gold in her. Another man would have found it. You're not finding it. We need to be able to say, I find gold where the, where the enemy, where Satan tells me, nah, that's trash. That's trash. 
Elaine, did you know you're Mike's greatest gold digger? And then Mike's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> no, really, really, you are. And if the world doesn't see Mike's greatest strengths, it's your fault. It's true. Because if the person that knows you best, Mike, cannot see the best in you, what are we to see? The Bible speaks about this tons, I mean, over and over and over. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that if a man cannot pastor his own home, now this is, this is gold, I promise you. If a man cannot lead his own home, how is he supposed to lead the church? I'm telling you the new Pablo version. It's really condensed. And it really is what it says. You can look it up. It's amazing to me because I can tell you this. I cannot force my children into loving God. I can't force my kids into praising Jesus. Oh, sure, I can try, and I can drag them. You know the way my children will find, hmm, you know the way my children will find love for his, for his house and love for his work? If I show them the gold that there is in this ministry. If I show them the gold that there is in my relationship with God. If I show them what it means to praise Jesus. If I show them what it means to love my wife as Christ loved the church. If I show them the gold if you want somebody to know Jesus and to love Jesus, show them the gold that is in them and the gold that is in Jesus Christ. You have to be an expert, expert gold digger. You cannot, one time somebody came to me and said, why did you call that person to your team, Pastor? I just want to know. I'm not trying to tell you not to. Yes, you are. And the person said to me, I just don't really, I don't really believe, like, I don't see what you see. It's frustrating. I remember what Bishop Oriel one time said, and I told the person what Bishop Oriel told me. I didn't say Bishop said, I just took it from myself. I, I jacked him. All right? And I said, that's why you're not their pastor. See, I'm their pastor. That's why I can believe in them. And I love that. See, your brother has a brother, and that's you. Your sister has a sister, and that's you. Your boyfriend has a girlfriend. I don't know if it's you. <laughs> you have somebody really close to you, and the closest person is the greatest digger of their lives. Somebody please say amen. amen. What are some of the things that happen as you dig through gold? Let me see A. Is it, did you, is it A? Okay, A, first thing is this. Say hike. It's not always what you expect. It is not always what you expect. This man was expecting something that the Bible doesn't say, but I believe it was money. And he said, I don't have gold and silver, but what I do have, I'll give to you. This is powerful. What if he would have settled for money? Oh, let me repeat this. What if he would have settled for money? Okay. I just got way more excited because I realized that God's been speaking to me about this for a couple of weeks. And you just jumped into this. Let me break it down for a little bit. One man was told from a company of China. In China, this guy was a man who, who loved the Lord and was developing his calling here in the U.S., and he said, we're going to give you $800,000 a year for you to develop this company overseas. And the man said, I'm sorry, I can't take that job. But, but okay, okay, okay. They came back to him with another offer. And he said, okay, we're going to give you $1.2 million in order for you to develop our company overseas. And the man said, I'm sorry, I cannot take that job. He said, last chance. This is your last chance. We have other candidates. It's okay, take the other candidates. They came to him a third time. And they said, we'll give you $2.2 million to develop this company overseas. And the guy said, see, it's not that your offer is not good enough. It's that your job is not big enough. Let me repeat that. It's not that your money is not good enough. It's that your job, the calling, the purpose, my development, 
where God has me is much more valuable than my commodity, than my comfort. That is what that means. I expect something, but God has something greater. The Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways, and that sounds like a wonderful thing to, to know. But do you actually know what that means? It means that your ways are low. No way. Yeah, way. Your ways are so low. Yahweh means the Lord, okay? So, yeah, that actually means that your way, that your ways are not as high as God's ways. You know what that means? I will humble myself when I'm not getting my pie, what I think I want, the girl I want, the guy I want, the job I want, the time I want. I don't get what I want, what I hear, what I want to hear. And I say, well, Lord, you know what? I know it looks like ore. By the way, ore is what they get in order to get the gold, right? They put a little cyanide, they put some chemicals, and that's what extracts the gold. Check this out. I know it all looks like ore. It all looks like dirt. Like just it doesn't look like what I prayed for. But I know there's gold in here, Lord. I know that your ways are higher than my ways. That's why I can tell you, Julian, as you struggle with cancer, the Lord's ways are higher than our ways. There's so much gold in you. So much gold in you. Thank you for blessing my life. Thank you. I mean that. See, that's why I can tell someone here that has been struggling in the relationships, in their ministry even. Your disciples leave, and you're thinking, but I serve God. And I praise God for that, because there's great gold in that. So much gold in that. Matter of fact, those that are going to leave, I can't wait for you to leave. I just got offended. I know. From Haitian Fridays, come Sunday, I'll be a lot nicer. Listen, I mean that 100%, even in the worst situations. I, I know a guy. This guy, he, uh, I don't know if I want to say it right now, but this guy, he really did, for a long time, would question so much. His wife left him. His wife was unfaithful to him. And he said, maybe I'm not meant to ever get married. Maybe I'm not meant to be like that happy couple like I see. And I, I remember talking to this guy so much, and I said, you know what, maybe God wanted you all for himself. It came out of my soul. It really did. It didn't come out of a book. Maybe God wanted you all for himself right now. What are you doing with your time, with your life? You know what he was doing? Feeling sorry for himself. I'm not saying I want my wife to leave. I want Aoni to stay with me forever. But if I had all the time without my wife, I would not be feeling sorry for myself. Ah, uh, Pastor, you don't know. You haven't been there. Really? I'm not saying God should test me. But I know one thing for sure. There's gold. Gold. In all the rubble, in all the dirt, there's so much gold. Can I be just very personal with you? What is the dirt? What is the rubble that you have seen? Frank and Alba, can you guys please stand for just a second? I prayed about this. and Can you raise your gold nugget for just a second? Is he sleeping? Where's Chulo Pons? Yeah, okay. So my boy calls him Chulo Pons. Pons is the last name. Chulo means mm-mm-mm. So mm-mm-mm Pons, right? He is a gold nugget, right? Alba, Frank, how many tons of dirt did you think you had to dig to get your gold in your hands? Tons and tons? Let me ask you a question, seriously. Would you say, after having what you have in your hands and in your house, would you tell a parent who's struggling with what you're struggling with, hang in there, 
dig through the dirt because it's worth it. Or do you say, you know what, there's a lot of time. What would you say to that person? I mean, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but. Frank? See, we love, we love the gold already taken care of. We love the gold, easy. But I believe this 100%. Listen, you know, that baby, before he was even born, he was already in God's arms. He already designed it. He already had it. Now, this is something not just for you guys, but for the rest of the church, because it is Formation Fridays. If you quit digging, you might have dug for years, and you will lose everything if you quit just inches away from your greatest discovery, if you let it down and you say, forget it, we just don't want any kids. Maybe we're just not meant to have kids. Maybe we just forget this. See, it is God that tells you all. Thank you. Have a seat. Thank you guys so much. Give Chulo Pons a round of applause. That's a good-looking baby, I'm just saying. Good-looking baby. I know, I know that if you quit, just a little bit before, because it's not what you expected or what you wanted or how you wanted it, you will lose everything. My drunk football coach taught me a great lesson in life. He said, Pablo, you gotta, you gotta pump the well. I said, what, coach? You gotta keep pumping the well, man. I said, coach, well, what do you mean pump the well? Yeah, man, you gotta keep pumping. He was falling asleep. Because if you don't pump and you pump and you stop pumping, all the water just goes back down, man. You gotta start from scratch. And I was like, mm. now I'll be a pastor. <laughs> Sometimes we pump, we pump, we pump. We're one pump away from all the gusts, from all the blessings, from all that God has for us. Literally, an abundance of joy, an abundance of blessing, an abundance, listen, multiplication that you don't even, you don't even know existed. You don't even know could happen through you. But you're here, and you're pumping, and you're pumping, and you're pumping. You're like, I'm tired. I don't think there's any water in here. I don't think there's any water in here. And somebody before you tells you, man, I know there's water in there. Keep, keep pumping, keep pumping. But you get tired one pump too soon. You quit one pump too soon, and all the water just goes back down. You know why? Because you thought there was no gold. Because your ways were higher than God's ways. God's ways are higher than your ways every time, bro. Every time, girl. Every single time God's ways are hires and here's the crazy thing that he never explains it to you you know why because he's God well why don't you just tell me why would it like no, no, no it doesn't work like that why don't you tell me it was going to be this great well see God loves gold diggers that sounds weird right he loves he loves he loves those that believe in him and trust in him and say I know my Lord, I know my Savior, I know my provider, I know who you are. And in spite of what the world tells me, in spite of what circumstances say about my ministry, about my calling, I know you already have it set. Back to the future. You guys remember that story? For all the single girls, I want to tell you, God already saw you in your kitchen with your husband early in the morning without makeup. And he's looking at you like, mm-mm-mm. You know what? He cooked that breakfast for you. He got up early. He's got nothing but a shirt and this thing and these shorts. Of course, he's got shorts. He's got shorts because we're in church. And he's got this apron, but he decided to only wear a bow tie that day and he was cooking in front of the kitchen. 
and he's playing, you know, some Jesus culture on the background. And he's ready for you, and he's like, yeah, that's my wife. It's true. It's true. I'm not playing. God already has your future. You're like, nah, really? Okay, pastor, I'll keep thinking for gold. No, 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 listen, listen. God has, you know what, here's the crazy thing. God has seen, oh, wait, that, oh, wait, wait that's Eoni's future. Ah, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. God has been to your future. No, no, I mean it. Stop, stop. God has been to your future. See, because our God stands above time. He doesn't stand in our, in our dimension. See, when you watch the Rose Parade from here, I've been there, you can only see five cars down, five cars down, but the guy on the news, he could see the whole parade from the helicopter. And he says, oh, there's a caterpillar coming. He's like, what caterpillar? There ain't no caterpillars in here, right? But God's like, I know there's a caterpillar coming. Here's a good one, too. You want to watch that one. I'm cold. I'm tired. I want to go home. He's like, no, you want to see the caterpillar. It's a pretty good one. And the Lord's like, I stand above your time. I stand above your time zone, above your dimensions. See, because God has been to our future. But we say, I'm done. I'm tired. I don't want to dig anymore because there's no gold here. See, you'll never grow tired if you know what's there to dig, what really is there. Don't get tired. Don't get tired. Don't get tired. Next point. If you want gold, be willing to put up with the dirt. Now, you said, Pastor, you already talked about that. Yeah, but not like this. What does it mean to be willing to put up with the dirt? To put up with the dirt means this. I'm going to be very specific because we are at a G12 church. Listen to this for a second. If you don't know what that is, don't look it up on internet. Look it up on our lives. Is that okay? All right, good. Well, I saw online, but did you see my house? But did online love you the way I love you? I'm sorry, did that guy on YouTube that didn't even cover, take his face mask off to speak, did he actually share his food with you? Did he pray for you? Did he go to spiritual warfare for you? Did he remind you that Jesus loves you when you didn't even love yourself? That's all I got to tell you right now. This is what happens when the dirt, you, when you need to dig through dirt, sometimes we love people digging through our dirt. Please see past my mistakes. Please see past my mistakes. What kind of grace do we have towards people that are leading us and that are helping us out? Can I be real for a second? What kind of grace do you have toward the people that God has put in your life as authority, but you don't see the gold in them? I wasn't going to reveal this to you guys. And I'd be revealed because it's my revelation. It was for me alone. But I shared it with one of my 12 today. So now you're going to have to get it too. But I didn't know if you guys were ready for it. But Jesus had his 12. It's amazing, right? But after his 12, he had three inside. The inside men. Three that were not better than the other 12. They didn't have more anointing. They didn't have a better Jesus. They didn't have more Holy Spirit. They didn't eat more food. They didn't walk a different way. They didn't hear a different song. I don't think Jesus loved them more, as a matter of fact. Now, Jesus loved them all. But there was this guy, James, his name was John, and his name was Peter. Three guys that seemed to appear in the Bible over and over and over. They were always in the cool places. You know what I'm saying? Like, one even has his own book kind of thing. His own part of the Bible, John. And John has the, the boldness to say, the beloved disciple. Like, I'm the, the dude, you're writing about yourself. It's like me saying the best-looking pastor in all of Los Angeles. Praise his name. It's like, okay, bro, that's you saying it. But this is John saying, I am so loved by God. As a matter of fact, I am the beloved disciple. And Peter, are you kidding me? Can I tell you, Pete was insane. He was awesome. He was crazy. The kind of crazy that would frustrate any leader, but the kind of crazy that says, wow, 
You got what it takes. You're hard enough to break hard hearts. Does that make sense? Like I could, See, these guys, James, who I can't talk to you so much about. Because see, sometimes it's not physical contact. It's not that you're there all the time. Is that there's something special about these people that were closer to Jesus than everybody else. Here's what happens. They were gold diggers. Good kind of gold diggers. When they saw Jesus, they didn't only see the Lord, the Savior. They saw my best friend. They saw the one who only has, you alone have words of life. Where else would I go? If you alone, you are the Messiah. The world says you're a teacher, you're a master, you're a good guy. You are Messiah. I see the gold in you. You see, these three guys had a secret. And that secret is of discipleship. A true disciple is not someone who only follows. It's someone who knows how to dig the gold out of their leadership. Who knows how to dig the gold out of any person. See, because it doesn't take a perfect person to lead you. It takes a disciple to follow. A man who says, I know there's dirt because you're a human being. I know there's rocks because you walk on the same, the same world that I walk on. But man, I find gold in you. See, I know which of my 12 find gold. I know who finds more gold. I know that. I can see it. I can sense it. I can feel it. And you know what crazy thing happens? My words are the same for this guy, this guy, and that guy. For some reason, that guy's life changes. His marriage is better. His life becomes growing just stronger. His life becomes fruitful. His heart catches on fire. The same thing I told him in the same PID, I tell the other guys. And these guys are hard, man. Their, their hearts are burning. They can't wait to live it out. They find something great. But for some reason, and I don't know why and I can't explain it to you. All I know is that they found gold where the others couldn't find it. I can't make you do that. See, I can't make anybody else do that. I can do it myself. And that's why I'm still one of the 12 of pastors here in California. Our church is not the largest church. But man, I find gold in my pastor. Others find just a big church. Oh, no, man. I find gold in that pastor. Oh, see... Others get in hours with him. They get to go and do things with him. I get five minutes and I come out like this. My hands are full. I need help from Eoni to carry all the gold I got. And ask my wife, it's not true. Three words he says. He don't even have to speak sometimes. I just see the way he behaves towards his wife. And I said, that's gold for me. I got to bring that home. Because that gold is going to bless my family. That gold is going to grow my ministry. Amen. That gold that I found, that's the kind of stuff. Can I tell? That's the kind of stuff that some people would say, eh. We got that kind of goal too. Then why are you so broke? Then why are you hurting so badly? Well, you know just as much as the other guy. You, you go to the same ministry. You live in the same nation. You speak the same language. You buy the same clothes. What's the difference between, between a Peter, a John, a James, and a Thomas? Now, I didn't have to go there and say the name, but we know Thomas for one thing. He doubted Jesus. Of course, I know that's not the only thing. He did. That would be very unfair. But the Bible chooses to say this guy didn't find gold in the midst of the dirt. I don't know about you, but today I want what John and Peter had. We have no gold. We have no silver. Buddy, we got something for you. We got faith that moves mountains. We got the kind of faith that the church can be built upon. Now you could say, well, actually, that's a circular gate. And we know we could talk about that. But let's just assume that Peter was the pioneer, at least the first guy that preached the greatest sermon. After, after Jesus, no, no, break. After he denies Jesus three times, he walks away from the team of 12. Jesus personally calls him and invites him back into the team. And then 40 days after that, he preaches a sermon. And how many people give their life to Jesus? Without a microphone, without music, 
without screens, nothing. 3,000, some people couldn't even hear him. Just the anointing got to them. You can't speak to 3,000 people with just your voice. I've been in a crowd of 3,000. I have a hard time here with a microphone with some of you guys. Peter, 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus. I don't even know if there was more there. All I know is that revival broke out. The keynote speaker for the revival breakout was the guy that just let up. You know what Jesus did? Uh-uh. Too much gold. I've dug too long. You're worth too much. I will not stop digging in you. You will. You will enrich this world. You will enrich this world. Please do yourself one big, big favor. Become someone who digs for gold. I find that it is the greatest happiness. Go to the next point because I think this is key. Become someone who gives for, because others will praise his name for your life. When you are a digger of gold, when you become someone who digs for gold, others will see you and say, whoa, something is happening. Something amazing is happening with that person. See, because I know that guy. Oh, I know who he is. I know who she is. I went to school with him. Raise your hand if you went to school with somebody in this church. Raise your hand. Whoa. Look around you for just a second. Raise it really high. Some of you didn't even know you went to school until you came here. Whoa, I know you from somewhere. From cell. No, no, I was never in prison. Lower your hand. <laughs> some of you guys, some of you guys are from school and you're like, man, I knew that guy. Marcos, no way. He's got a cell group. No, no, please. Please. JC, come on. Nah, JC, married. <laughs> the last guy that ever been married. To who? To her. To her. Is she a gold digger? Nope, he is a gold digger. Am I making sense? See, because when people see that you've been blessed, that God has touched you, that your knees, when they were weak, now they're strong, when your legs couldn't move, now you're jumping up and down, praising God. Others will say, wow, what kind of, where, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that treasure? Because I want that kind of treasure. In the midst of sickness, in the midst of pain, in the midst of scarcity and lack of growth, in the midst of that is where the true diggers dig. And they dig deep. And they say, I will find gold today. I call it violent contradictions. And we will have a series. I have my first special, uh, guest speaker. I confirmed him today. He's a guy with 1,500 people in Tijuana. He loves the Lord. And it's not the people. It's the quality of disciples he's producing. He's a G12 pastor, Johnny Set. You guys may not know him at all, but you will. I promise you. We went to preach at, a, at his re-encounter. Man, it was crazy. Like cray-cray. I was like, wow, this guy is nuts in a good way. He's got this thing where he's been talking a lot about tenacity. Just being tenacious. I was like, I like that word. My next child will be Tenacious Martinez. You know, like, what's up, Tenny? <laughs> what's his name? Tom? No, Tenacious. Right? Tenacious is awesome. I should make shirts and hats. But this guy... When I was, I was like, you're in the same line. See, that, that violent contradiction tells the world, when I'm tired, man, that's when you don't mess with me. That's when I go harder. You know? Stand up with me for a second. I want to tell you one last very romantic, beautiful story. His name was Chuck Liddell. <laughs> Chuck Liddell is one of the greatest knockout artists of all times. He's a UFC fighter, or was. Straight out of San Luis Obispo. This guy was a bar fighter looking. This guy didn't have technique. He wasn't like... Lioto Mashida, who had all these incredible kicks. His guy just looked like some guy that, like, you know, just kind of like, like a redneck. You know, he's just like, don't get offended, guys. 
right, we talk about the other race. I'm going to talk about you guys. All right, Coco. So this guy was all like, he was straight like just some redneck from a bar. He was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He literally walked like this. And when he would fight, he'd be doing this. His technique was not even called technique. It was his style. Like, that's how not technique it was. It was so unconventional. He wouldn't punch people out by going boom, boom. He didn't have any straight, like, nothing. You know how he would knock people out? Well, he was going backwards. Well, he was supposedly getting knocked out when he'd get hit and he was like this and he'd go, Ugh! and he'd throw this hard punch and poof, people just get knocked to the ground, like super hard. And I watched it over and over. And the guy that when they looked at him, they're like, this guy's nothing. He's just some guy from a bar who doesn't know how to fight. And he kept on knocking people out left and right, champion of the UFC. I was like, wow, over and over defended his title. I love it. His little mohawk, he's like, boom, punching people on the way back. And I'm thinking, that's what I'm talking about. I want that kind of Christianity where the enemy thinks, uh-uh, I ain't going to attack you. Even though you seem like you're struggling, I'm not going to attack you. See, because you got some violent contradictions in you. I know that if I come to you, you're going to just wail on me. And I got to be careful. See, it was only after like 20-something fights that the enemy started catching up. And they said, uh-uh, don't attack Chuck Liddell when he's on his back leg. Don't attack him when he's on his back leg. Be careful because he'll throw you that punch. And when he's falling off and you don't even know where he came from, he'll knock you right out. That's the kind of Christianity we need where we say, Lord, I will dig when I'm tired. I'll find golden people when no one else sees it. Amen? Amen? This is formation, guys. Where you say, Lord, help me find gold in my family. So I'm going to give you guys something to obey. Because no message is good unless it's put into practice. So here's what you're going to do. And I just did it with one cell group. I want the whole cells to do it, all of you. If you go to a cell group, I want you to write out a list. A list of what things, what gold you have found in your leadership. I mean, be practical. Be real. Don't be disobedient. We said a while ago, if you're not in a cell group, month and a half, why are you here Friday nights? Doesn't even make sense. Sundays is for everybody. Friday nights is for people that want to go, 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 go. Grow the kingdom of God. Grow their life. Grow their family. Is that okay? Now, if you don't have a cell, you're like, well, what's a cell? Don't worry about it. That doesn't apply to you right now. If you cannot get plugged in, let me know. Talk to me. We'll get you in a cell group. Because a cell group is community. A cell group is where accountability happens. The danger of not being in a cell is that you can go to a church and live a life of Christianity that's, a, that's really honestly not accountable to anybody. And you're going to begin to believe that it doesn't work. Because it's not working for you. But in reality, it's like going to the gym, showing up, sitting on the bench, and never pushing it. But I go to the gym, and it doesn't work for me. And you're like, Bro, but you're not doing it. Yeah, I know, but I go to the gym. I pay my membership. Same thing happens in church. If you're accountable, somebody's helping you, you're praying, you're catching on, you're growing, you're helping somebody else grow, now you're exercising your faith. So that's why we do this. So get connected. If you don't have one, get connected this week. Please let me know. I'll help you get connected. If you don't have a cell and there's no cell for you to connect, I'll do cell with you. I mean that 100%. That's how important it is. Here's the crazy thing about that. I want you to do this. Find four things, five things, ten. I don't know how many you want. Twelve because you're in the vision. Right? Some things that you say, I want to find gold in people. Start with the person that God put in front of you. The person that God put to share the word of God with you once a week. And, and really confront you sometimes. And you're going to find that gold. And all of you guys are going to come together on Thursday or Wednesday, whenever your cell is. And you're just going to share that gold around. Now, your leaders are like, I love this one. I love it. No, you're going to do that with your leader too. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? You need to be able to find gold. You see, because unless you are that kind of person, you won't receive that kind of blessing. I want the John Peter James blessing. The kind that said, oh, check it out. I got something for you. Because we find a way to find the best. Close your eyes, please. Let's pray. 
Dear God, I thank you so much for, for this time, Lord, for sharing your, your heart with us. I pray right now that you help me, help us to always be the kind of people that find gold in this ministry, in ourselves, and that in ourselves at times, God, where the world doesn't see it, that we can say, Lord, you see something, I got to see it too. Holy Spirit of God, I pray right now. For just a second, I need you to understand this with your eyes closed. God loves you so much. He sees gold in you. He sees gold in you right here, right now. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He sees a multiplying ministry, a 12, 144, three generational leader. He sees someone that can bless other people, not just always be on the receiving end. He didn't make you to be on spiritual welfare. He made you to be the blesser. He made you to be the giver. The one who instills blessing and, and, and man, the heart of God into people's lives. You will not always be on the receiving end. I tell you this right here, right now. Hear it from God. You will be a great giver because you have a great God who's given you so much. You may not have gold. You may not have silver. According to the world, you may not be a cut above. But according to my King, my Lord and my Savior, you are a chosen generation. Royal priesthood, he says. Man, you're a special people. His people called to announce, to shout out with your life the virtues of the one who called you from darkness into his marvelous light. God, thank you because you have believed in people in this place. I want you to hear this right now where you are. The Holy Spirit loves you so much. He wants to partner up with you and he wants to develop his kingdom on this earth through your life. If you have a hard time at home, if you are at war with your mom, with your dad, with your husband, your wife, your, your brother, your sister, your roommate. Today I tell you become a gold digger. Dig, 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 dig. Find the gold. Find it. I know that sometimes it is the last thing you want to do. Find the gold. That does not mean that you don't see the dirt and you don't see the rubble because that's foolish, foolishness. You hurt yourself that way. See what it is. Understand it. But understand that God sees greatness. God sees goodness. God sees redemptive material. Material that could be redeemed, could be used for greater purpose. Where people see, man, dirt. God sees ore. God sees gold. God, I pray right now that you make us faith-filled disciples, faith-filled leaders, God. That no person around us would ever feel less than because they're around us. They feel empowered. They feel loved. They feel encouraged. They feel like there's somebody believing in them. Holy Spirit of God, I know that in this church, there are true gold diggers. The kind of people that say, I know. I know what the world has seen. The world sees a drug addict. The world sees an abuser. The world sees in you a woman who cannot, who will not, who has never done this before. The world sees a guy who, who has never succeeded in life. Somebody who quit in school. The world sees the world. Somebody who tried an open cell, broke the cell, got rid of the cell again and again. And the God of heaven and earth says, yes, but I see gold. I see gold. I see gold. I'm one person closer to your breakthrough. I am one moment closer to your breakthrough. God says, I am one minute closer to the abundant life that I promised you. Because God has come to give you life and life in abundance. Dear God, I pray right now 
that you give us a kind of mindset that says, I will find gold in you. Even if you don't like it, even if you don't want it, I will find gold in you. God, make us a kind of people. Right now, if you change, listen, this is not a message for you to learn. If you change, everything changes. I promise you, my marriage is a witness to that. We find gold where others find a reason to fight, where others find a reason to get mad. Find gold. I'm telling you this not because we're perfect, but because if we weren't gold diggers, we would never, ever, ever want to be with each other. She's too strong a character. I'm too strong. But we have learned to see what God sees in each other. Can I give you that right now? I don't have gold, guys, and I don't have silver. I tell you this right now. You're in CFF today. Holy Spirit of God, please speak. Speak right now. You're in this place. You're in this church. We don't have fancy buildings yet. We don't have lights that are crazy. Man, we don't, honestly, can I be real with you? God, please speak. Our band is not where it needs to be. Oh, but we have something great. We may not have gold. We may not have silver. But what we do have, we give to you. Receive the anointing of a priestly family. Receive the anointing of a marriage that serves the Lord intimately, passionately, with all they have. Where their everything is for Him. I don't have gold, guys, and I don't have silver. What I do have is a certainty of my calling in Jesus Christ. Would you receive that right now? You may have come looking for healing. You may have come looking for just simple encouragement. But what do you leave from? From here, you're going to leave with a deep conviction that God called you to have your team, to have your 12, your 144, to change nations, to change nations, that you and your house will serve the Lord. You and your house will serve the Lord. Other people can serve other God, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will raise a generation of powerful men and women of God that love the Lord above all else.